<laughs> oh my heavens, that's going to be enlightening. <laughs> it's going to be enlightening because it's going to be like lightning. Amen. Wow, what a great, great blessing to have so many children uh, in our congregation. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, man, that's kind of what it's all about, you know. We grow so that we can teach them to grow. And uh, we know that uh, when we teach them, that they'll come back to where we raised them, okay? So I pray that you are praying about your role uh, in the children's ministry. Now, if you missed uh, last Sunday night, we discussed how we can make the obstacles that hinder our spiritual progress fall flat. Amen? Uh, it's going to take some faith in order to make the barriers that come against us fall flat. Faith can lift the heaviest burden. you believe that? Faith can lift the, lift the heaviest burden, but it can also remove the highest mountain. We're going to be talking about that this morning. And while your prayers of faith may seem in vain, you may think that your prayers ain't getting no higher than this ceiling. There comes a day. There comes a day when that very last prayer is lifted to the throne of God. And that very last prayer that you're praying hits the throne and the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. And that barrier is removed. Now, with all that being said, I want to ask you a few questions this morning as we get started. How many of you would love to see your lost loved ones saved? All right. That's what I'm talking about. How many of you would like to see the marriages in our community restored? How many of you would like to see those marriages within the church get better? Come on. How many of you would want to see your physical body and the bodies of your friends who have sickness get healed? Come on. How many of you would like to have a deeper, more fulfilling walk with the Lord God Almighty? Come on. How many of you would like to see the United States return to its God-centered foundation? Woo! All right. We know what we want. Now let's find out how we're going to get it. Amen? That's important. If the answer to any of those questions for you was a resounding yes, then I want you to know that Jesus wants you to know how to pray in a way that removes mountains that hinder those things from happening. Today, we are going to find out how we can move mountains. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 21. And Jesus has given one of the common uh, illustrations uh, that he will use for a little mini-sermon. And the, the illustration that's given is Jesus passes by this fig tree, and there ain't no figs on it, so he kind of gets upset at the fig tree, and he commands it to be cursed, and the fig tree withers. Right there on the spot. Completely withers. And then he preaches a little prayer, or preaches a little sermon to find out and show us how we can remove mountains. Let's read about it. Chapter 21 of Matthew and verse 18. 
There wasn't anything of value on that tree. You hear me? There's lots of leaves, but no figs. And so he came to it, he found nothing on it but leaves, and he said to that tree, did Jesus get a little kooky talking to trees? He said to the tree, let no fruit grow on you ever again, and immediately the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, I would have too, and they said, how did the fig tree wither away so soon? So Jesus answered, and he gave him a little preach. Amen? Here's what he said. He answered and he said to them, assuredly I say to you, disciples, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. All those things that we said we wanted to see can come to pass in believing prayer. In this short little passage, the Lord Jesus teaches us four truths that, uh, that tell us about faith. Four truths about faith that will enable us to pray prayers that move mountains. These things that I've mentioned to you, like lost loved ones and marriages being restored and the U.S. returning and uh, health issues and a fulfilling God relationship, those are all mountains, friends. They're big mountains, and it's going to take prayers of faith to remove those mountains. So let's find out how we can move mountains. To move mountains, first of all, we must learn to relate to the person of faith. Friend, we have got to first, in order to relate, we have first got to identify the object of our faith. In what or in whom do you place your trust? Now, there's a parallel passage in the book of Mark that's a little bit different, pretty much the same, the same truth, same story. But in Mark, it says that Jesus said, have faith in God. Don't just have faith. Have faith in God. In whom or in what do you place your trust? You see, faith must have an object. Faith must have an object all by itself. Faith ain't got no power. Did you hear that, church? By itself, faith has no power. Only the object has power. Only God has the power. You see, faith has got to have an object. Faith in God is the absolute conviction that God is who he says he is. Faith in God is the unconditional certainty that God is is our creator, that God is our sustainer, that God is our provider, that God is our redeemer, that God is our savior, that God is our Lord, that God is our master. It's the absolute certainty of those facts. The Bible says that without that belief, without that conviction, faith, that it's impossible to please God. 
Without that faith, it's impossible to please God because the Bible says he who comes to God must believe that he is God and that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Friend, if you want these things to come to pass in your life, in the life of your relationships, in the life of your community, or in the life of your nation, friend, you have got to diligently seek the face of the Lord. That is the only way these mountains will be removed. And notice that the Bible never says, have faith in faith. It always says, have faith in God. But a lot of people think that way. A lot of people think that if I'm having a great difficulty or some problem arises in my life, then all I have to do is just somehow arouse my faith and I'll get past the problem. A lot of people think that way. A lot of people say, if I can just stir up enough faith, I can overcome this problem. If I can just stir up enough faith, I can overcome my problem and I can make it through. But friend, listen here. Man's faith does not move mountains. Only God moves mountains. And our faith has got to be in Him. Our problem is that most of the time, God doesn't remove the mountain immediately. And so what do we do? I got to help Him out. Amen? You ever wanted to help God out like he needs your help? Amen? we got to realize that faith is built. Trust is built. A relationship with God is built. And those things take time. We have to be willing to wait. We have to be willing to be patient. In Matthew 14, when Jesus came walking on the water, we find that everybody who ever came to Jesus basically had weak faith at first. They came to him with weak faith, but even with weak faith, Jesus saves them and helps them to overcome mountains. Let's read about Matthew 14. Jesus comes walking on the water, and Peter says, Lord, I want to come out there where you're at, right? And so the waves are getting high. They begin to rise. The wind begins to howl. And guess what? Peter was scared. Peter was scared. And when he got scared, he began to sink. And there Jesus was, willing to reach out and save him. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught him, and here's what he said. you doubt but did you notice friend that even though he doubted even though he had fears even though his faith was weak Jesus still saved him all it takes is a mustard seed friend just a mustard seed of faith not only must we identify with the object of our faith but friend you got to know him you got to know the object of your faith consider this illustration about faith. There's two men. Both of them want to go out on this frozen lake 
to do some frozen ice fishing. So the first guy goes out into the middle of the lake, and he is assured that the ice is thick enough for him to go and do some ice fishing. So he begins to anxiously step out on the ice. story and one is this who or what supported the man who went out there and did some ice fishing tell me what supported that man did the faith support him or did the ice support him the ice supported him if he had leaned on his faith to support him he'd be a wet goose Second question, which one of them had the strongest faith? The man who was tipping, tiptoeing or the man who was out there enjoying a great day of fishing? Which one? The one enjoying the fishing. Amen. Now, what made the difference between these two? One of them knew the ice. The other one didn't know the ice. The one who knew the ice enjoyed a great day of fishing. The other man walked away in fear, scared to death, crawled back to shore. It's the same way with removing mountains in your life. You've got to know the object of your faith. And I just want to tell you, friend, that if you'll know his infinite strength, if you'll know God's complete sovereignty over this universe, if you will know his perfect will that you be strengthened through the mountains, that mountain will be removed. So to remove the mountains, we relate to the person of faith by identifying him and by knowing him. But to move mountains, we must also recognize the purpose of faith. The purpose of faith, simply put, is to remove mountains. To remove mountains. Now, what do mountains represent in your life? And I want some feedback here. Tell me, what do you think mountains represent in your life? Speak it loud, I can hear you. Difficulties, good, what else? Come on, there's like gazillions of them. Fear, go, what else? Relationships, what else? Money. <laughs> don't be don't try in our business. Amen. What else? What do mountains represent? A lost, dying, and perverse generation. Ooh, right? What else is a mountain? What does a mountain represent? Come on. Sometimes our families, amen. I'm fond of saying that every family's got a little bit of a 
Got a little bit of problem? Is this a matter of how much problem they got? Amen? What else? What do mountains represent? Say that again. The work of Satan. Wow. Amen. Weaknesses? Absolutely. Absolutely. A lack of vision. Right? Amen. Amen. If you can't see on the other side of the mountain, you got a problem, right? You got a you got a mountain in front of you. That's a good one. Great one. What else? Let me tell you, in addition to all the exactly perfect ones you mentioned, mountains represent things that are immovable like mountains, Tony. Mountains represent things that are impossible. Things that are overwhelming. Anything overwhelmed you lately? <laughs> Amen. Mountains represent challenges and adversity that comes against you that seems way too steep to climb, way too high to cross, and way too big to see beyond. Mountains represent broken hearts. Mountains represent broken relationships. Mountains represent disease and sin and doubt and unbelief and disobedience and compromise and complacency. Those are all mountains. Mountains represent the barriers, the hurdles, and the obstacles that, get this, stand in the way of you and God's perfect will for your life. So if there's a mountain there between you and God's perfect will from your life, guess what? She got to go. The mountain has got to be removed. Some of these mountains seem like Mount Everest. Say, oh man, I might as well give up there. I ain't never going to cross that one. Other ones are like molehills. They're little ones, and we can overcome them easy. But mountains, none the same. Did you notice what Jesus said? Just like he spoke to that fig tree, he told the disciples, I want you to, you can speak to that mountain. Whatever that mountain may be. Friends, it is God's desire for us to remove those mountains when you identify them. To remove those mountains that stand in the way between you and your perfect and God's perfect will for you. They need to be removed when you identify them. So God, Jesus said, speak to that mountain. What was he talking about? Was he saying whatever I want goes? Was he speaking about a name it and claim it kind of theology? That's not what he's talking about. Here's what the Lord was teaching, friend. He was saying, first of all, have faith in God. Then he said... Then say to this mountain, and I'm going to interject this part, according to God's perfect will, be removed. Because there's not going to be a mountain removed that's against God's perfect will. Amen? And there's lots of reasons why that mountain may be there. Okay? That mountain may be there because of your own sin. It may be there because of somebody else's sin. It may be there because God wants to use it as a tool to grow your faith. It may be a tool by which God uses to glorify himself. But what you're doing here is you're identifying something that's standing in the way of a perfect relationship with God. So we're asking him, God, remove it. Remove it. It's standing in the way between me and you and your perfect will for my life. Now, like I said, that mountain may be a barrier and it may be there for good reason. 
That mountain may be there because it's a tool that God wants to use to grow you or to bring glory to himself. And when that's the case, sometimes you got to have a little courage. Sometimes you got to have a little courage to say, please, 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 Lord, do not remove this mountain. So to move mountains, friends, Jesus says you need to identify the person of faith and you need to identify the purpose of faith. But he also says in order to move mountains, we have to retain the possession of faith. Now, there are two great ways to increase your faith. Who wants to know how you can increase your faith? Amen? I need more faith. Two great ways to increase your faith, the first of which is prayer. The second one is hearing the word of God. Both of those activities will increase your faith. The first way is to pray. What is prayer? Somebody tell me what prayer is. Talking to God. What else? Praising God. What else? What is prayer? Getting close to God. What were you going to say, Jim? Say again. Adoring Him. Obedience. Good, good, good. We're on the right track. Keep going, keep going. What is prayer? In its rawest form, in a nutshell, prayer is communicating with God. And that does involve talking, but what else does it involve? We learned this yesterday, guys. What's communication involved? Oh, really? Talking and listening? You mean I got to listen too? That's what prayer is. Talking, two-way communication with God. Talking and listening. But here's the biggest thing about prayer. And this is where many, many believers miss the boat. Because prayer is seeking to ascertain what God's will is for your life. And sometimes you can do that by speaking. Most times you got to do that by listening. Ascertaining. Seeking what God's will is for your life. But like so many of God's promises, prayer has crucial conditions. You gotta speak, you gotta listen, and you gotta seek. Because if that mountain's gonna be removed, you've gotta pray. But here's the biggest condition. Here's the biggest condition that you've got to do after you pray. When God reveals to you what his perfect will is, you've got to do it. You've got to do what God's telling you to do. You've got to go in the direction God's telling you to go. You've got to do it. If you don't do it, it ain't going to happen. Amen? You've got to do what God says. Because the Bible says, when you pray. Not if you feel like praying today. Not if you're sitting down at the supper table. Not if you have a sick loved one. He's saying, when you pray, don't doubt and believe. You gotta pray. So many believers don't pray. And we think that prayer is gracing the dinner or blessing a sick one. If you want to have the blessing of knowing and retaining the possession of faith, friend, you gotta pray. You've got to have that two-way communication with God. 
You've got to do it. Because in prayer, what you're doing is you're striving to remove all doubt. In prayer, you're striving to never have a second thought about what God's telling you. You're learning to trust Him. You're saying, I'm going to trust you, God, and I'm going to listen to what you have to say. But not only can we use prayer to increase our faith, but we can also hear God's word to increase our faith. One of my prayers for you when you come to gather together on a Sunday morning is that when you leave this place, that your faith is strengthened. Not because of anything that I did, but because of what God did through the word of God. Why? How can that happen? The word of God is his authority. And believing in this word, believing in God's authority over your life will strengthen your faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, says Romans chapter 10. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing the authority of God over your life. He's the boss. He's your Lord. He's your master. He's the one we have to listen to. So, friend, we've got to, I know what hearing means. Hearing is not just this audible activity. Hearing is actually obediently accepting what he tells you. Another big problem in the church. We hear what he has to say when the word is preached. But then we walk outside the door and we don't do what he told us to do. We're not being obediently. We're not accepting the truth. We're not allowing him to permeate who we are. We need to allow the authority of God to reign in our life. So friend, listen, don't doubt the word. Believe the word. And don't just hear the word, do the word. Because if you don't do it, you don't believe it. Did you hear that? If you don't do what he says, you don't believe that he said it. And if you don't believe that he said it, you certainly ain't going to do it. We have to do what the word says. Listen carefully, friends. If you won't pray and you won't hear the word of God, you will not possess enough faith to move your mountains. So pray and hear the word. When you relate to the person of faith and you recognize the purpose of faith and you retain possession of faith, here's the kicker. You will reap the payoff of faith. A man who truly prays having faith in God, get this, will have whatever he says. Now, is that a blank check for me to go get my Lamborghini? Is that a blank check? check for me to run down and pick up my yacht? Of course not. To reap the payoff of faith, there's some things we got to be willing to do. I mentioned it a second ago, you got to be willing to pray about it. Jesus said, whatever things you ask in prayer, you can't move a mountain without it. Whatever thing you ask in prayer, friend, you've got to align yourself with God. Align yourself with God's will and seek to discern what he wants you to do. That's the biggest thing we need to do is align ourselves. So you've got to pray about it. Number two, you've got to speak to it. 
We kind of made fun of Jesus a second ago because he was talking to trees. And then he told us to go talk to mountains. But what is he saying there? He's saying, speak specifically to your issues. Speak specifically to the issue at hand. And friend, don't doubt it. Don't doubt it. Speak specifically to God about what that mountain is. Pray about it. Speak to it. But then also, you got to believe it. Because he says, whatever things you ask in prayer, believing. So if you're on autopilot and you're going through this automated prayer, God bless so-and-so and help so-and-so and thank you for so-and-so and we love so-and-so and all that, you're on autopilot with your prayers, don't expect that prayer to be answered. That's not believing prayer. That's not prayer that's speaking directly to the issue at hand. That's not prayer. Prayer is aligning ourselves with God's will. That, friend, is prayer. So pray about it, speak to it, believe it. And you will reap the payoff of it. You will have it. Jesus said you will receive it. And the mountains that confront you will be removed. But, don't you hate it when there's a but? There always seems to be a but. Here's something that I've learned. The Bible doesn't say when the mountain's going to be removed. It only says that the mountain will be removed. Hence, a big problem for me, because James chapter 1 tells us, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Lord, I don't want no more produces patience but let patience have its perfect work in you that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing listen God's perfect timing and mountain moving go hand in hand that mountain's going to be removed when God's good and ready for that mountain to be removed why because God always has great purpose in waiting So if you feel like you've been on a holding pattern for a couple of years waiting for God to remove that mountain, you very well may be. But I want to tell you that God has a purpose in your waiting. He has a purpose for that waiting. Have you ever had to wait on God? Have you had to wait on God lately? Seems like I'm all the time waiting on God. But I want to tell you, if you're waiting on God, there's no better place for you to be. There's no better place for you to be. Jesus gives us the ability to be mountain movers. He gives us the authority given to him by the Father to remove the barriers, to remove the hindrances that keep us from living in a perfect relationship with him. He's given us the authority to break through those obstacles that hinder us serving the Lord and loving the Lord like he deserves. So what do you do? Well, you got to trust the person of faith. Jesus said, 